Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Wednesday, November 25th edition, a Thanksgiving Eve edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. And Hall of Fame, Flyers Hall of Fame week continues today with a great sit-down conversation Bill Meltzer and I had with Flyers Hall of Famer and NHL Hall of Famer Bill Barber. Great stuff here. Billy Barber, a throwback player, was a throwback coach. We'll talk to him about his coaching career, of course, his playing career, growing up in Canada, and how he made it to the National Hockey League, and a ton more. Stay tuned. That is coming. Last week, we had Rick Tockett. We had Rod Brindamore. We had Dave Poulin. If you missed any of those interviews, you can go back and check them out. This week, on Monday's episode, great conversation Bill Meltzer and I had with Flyers and NHL Hall of Famer Mark Howell. But without further ado, let's get right into it and hear from Billy Barber, the NHL Hall of Famer, still working in hockey. He is a hockey lifer. Bill Meltzer joins, and this is our conversation with the Flyers Hall of Famer, Bill Barber. On Flyers Daily, it is Flyers Hall of Fame week, and it continues with one of the all-time greats, not just a Flyers Hall of Famer, an NHL Hall of Famer. His resume is unbelievable. As a player and as a coach, he won a Calder Cup, as a matter of fact. In 1998, he won a Jack Adams as a coach. Uh, He's been to six NHL All-Star games. He won two Stanley Cups as a player, another one as an executive in 2004. It's the one and only Bill Barber joining us on this episode. Bill, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And kind compliments. I appreciate it. (laughs) They're not compliments. That's me reading your resume. You did that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really keep a resume around too much, but uh, it's been an exciting exciting career, and I'm still glad I'm involved uh, with the Flyers. they are my life. Um, I can't speak highly enough of uh, the time I've had since I crossed the border in 1972 to, to come and play for the Flyers. I was drafted seventh overall that year and spent a little time in the minors and uh, worked my way up to the lineup and uh, got associated with probably the greatest bunch of guys that you'd ever want to meet and play with. Uh, my teammates were just excellent. It's not a, an individual uh, awards at times and it's a team play and we had some great teams and coaches and general manager. Hey, Billy, um, when you look back at 1972 and you're taking seventh overall, as you alluded to by the Flyers and you're coming to Philadelphia, first of all, what did you know about Philadelphia and what were your first impressions when you got here? Well, you, I got very lucky uh, in a sense. Uh, I remember Alec Davidson calling me and I was back uh, back up in Canada at the time, obviously not where my junior team where I played, but back home home. And uh, I got a phone call from Alex and asked me about my intentions about uh, what direction I was going to be heading because the World Hockey Association was in, in play at the time. I was drafted by New York. Montreal in the NHL draft had fourth, sixth and eighth pick. And I was kind of a little hesitant about getting uh, heading in that direction. They were a great team, and I didn't know if I was going to be a fit for them. But overall, um, it worked out really well with the Flyers. Uh, I told them my intentions were strictly the NHL. That was a, a dream come true for me if I could uh, go and play in the National Hockey League. And uh, coming to Philadelphia, first impression was, wow, you know, <laughs> I didn't know a lot about the city. I knew a little bit about the team, but um, anyway, as it went along, uh, what an exciting time, uh, great city, great fans and a great building to play in, uh, uh, memories forever. If you look at that 72 draft, you know, just, just round after round with the flies, I got you in the first round, 
Jimmy Watts in the second round. Uh, or yeah, or, or Jimmy Watson third round, Tom Blade in the second round, then Al, Al McAdam had a hell of a career in his own right. Yes. Fourth. And, you know, if you, if you look at those teams from, from Freddie's era, you know, there was the 69 draft, which was, which was Clarkey and Seleski and, and Schultze, your draft in, in 72, uh, that, and that, and the guys who were taking the expansion draft, because several of them were still around, you know, were, were a large part of those cup teams. And they, and you know, there were, there were some trades too there too, like Reggie Leach came over and, came over in a trade Rick McLeish came over in a trade but do, do you think that having a like a, a, a homegrown team for large part these, these players that are drafted together or around the same time and kind of grow up together do you think that that's important in, in establishing a culture in, in a team and a franchise yes I do very much so and I really believe that's what's happening in today's Flyers uh, team right now I think Chuck Fletcher's done a great job of uh putting things together and letting these kids grow. I think progress is going to be made. I think you still need to uh, put in the odd part here and there, depending what kind of kind of player you really need. But the growth of your players uh, that you draft and you school them and you educate them and the culture of what the Flyers really stand for, I think is uh, so very important. I think all the successful teams in the past has gone in that direction. The only team I can think of that probably has won in the, in the free agent uh, agency market is not really hockey. It's, it's the Yankees in baseball. Uh, but other than that team, uh, when you really think about it, all the teams, you look back to teams that won the, uh, the Stanley Cup, just look at how who was drafted, the odd little player was bought in, and, uh, and they had success. Billy, um, we, we had Mark Howe on a, a prior, a previous episode, and we know the hockey lineage in his family. And, and hockey oftentimes is a family sport. Usually if you have a brother or even sisters, especially now, so many girls playing, um, not only one kid plays, usually they all play. And you had two brothers, Danny and John. Uh, they both went on to play pro hockey at different levels. Danny played for the Maine Mariners. John briefly played for the Firebirds, among other teams. But you also attended uh, the aforementioned Gordy House hockey camp and Bill shared a photo with me that he got from Zach Hill uh, of you I think what 14 years old with Gordy uh, House yes. and, and, yeah, yeah. And, and he signed it to you um, first of all how did you start your hockey journey it, what got you going was it was it because of you and your brothers or um, what was it that got you playing hockey and what was it like to meet Gordy Howe at that time well yeah we came up in a, a very small community my dad had a a service center off the main highway that ran north and south, Highway 11. And we lived upstairs above the service center and they had built an outdoor rink and pulled a old schoolhouse down for an ice shack. And that's how we all kind of got started. We were a couple hundred people at best uh, as far as population went. We had a few farm kids and stuff like that. But you have to understand that the rink was shared by everybody. So when, when I first started, I was like four years old, five years old. There was some 16, 17 year old kids out on the ice, but everyone shared the ice. It was a different way of coming up. And uh, as time went on, you know, you just fall in love with the sport. And truthfully, it was really our only sport uh, that we had that was really kind of recognized in the North. And then we or classified where I grew up, the gateway to the north. I, I grew up in Calder, Ontario. Uh, north Bay is a larger city at the time with maybe 20,000 people, 18,000 people back in the day, uh, the late 50s and 60s. And 
uh, hockey was our sport. And we were fortunate enough where I was, the rink was located not too far, not even maybe a football length, a little bit more from, from the service center. So I used to put my skates on and just skate on the snow banks going down where the roads were plowed until you got to the ice. And I was there all day long and just come home and have a bite to eat and go back again. So we were on the ice all the time. And we, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a couple older brothers that were influential in, uh, in, in, in uh, the direction I was heading. Um, the older guy, John there, he, he had success at the minor league level. I, I think he was on three or maybe possible four championship teams. One with Buffalo, with Freddie Sherrill. Uh, anyway, with the said there, he told me, he said, if you can't play for Fred Sherrill, you can't play. That's how much respect Fred Sherrill had. And I never even met the gentleman uh, until I came to Philly. And I give Freddie a lot of credit, along with Keith Allen, that they had the confidence to give me a chance to, to play and to make the team. We'll talk about Freddie and, and, you know, those championship teams in a second. But, you know, looking at just the, in general, the, the first six years of your career, I don't, I don't you know, people, people, of course, remember the back-to-back cups and, and getting to the finals three straight years. But if you look at that every, every year, the first six years of your career, the Flyers made at least of the semifinals every year. And, you know, I, does it, I mean, it never, it never gets old winning obviously, but I mean, you know, how much of it was just an expectation, particularly at the spectrum that, you know, this team is, this team's going to win. Well, you, you know, it's funny there, the experience you do gain and, and just back, back it up there the very first year, that I turned pro in 1972, the 72-73 season, um, we went to the semifinals. Now I'm 20 years old, Tommy Bladen's 20 years old. Uh, we had a, the right group of blend of players at the time. And I knew the direction this team was gonna go. I, we all believed that we're gonna win a Stanley Cup. And then the following year, we win a cup. The year after that, we win a cup. And then we go to the finals again and lose to Montreal. So. Now I'm still only 24 years old. I got a ton of experience um, in the playoffs because there is pressure uh, and you, you still have to perform no matter what your age is. You have to go out and do your job. And I think this is where it's going to be valuable for the Flyers this past season. I know it was kind of an awkward kind of a year, but young players like Myers and Sandheim and Lawton and all the, these kind of players are going to They've gained a lot of experience here. Now they got to utilize that experience and play like a veteran. And uh, I think that's going to be important. And I think they will. They're, they're, they, I think they got a good young team that are set up to run in kind of the same direction we went back in the early 70s. Billy, when you look back at your career and, you know, growing up playing, you alluded to the fact that, you know, you'd be out on the outdoor rink all day. And that, that speaks to the way you could skate. Boy, it, you want to have success in hockey? If you can skate, that's, a, that's the foundation, right? Um, but when you look back, when did you know that you were a little bit different than maybe some of the other kids in the neighborhood, that you had a different level of skill and that, you know, maybe you could make a career out of this and then all these years later you go on, you have this Hall of Fame career. But when did you – it kind of clicked in your own mind that I'm not going to have a normal job. I'm going to be a professional hockey player, and I know that I'm good enough to do it. Well, you know, it's funny you, you mentioned you go back in time there where I grew up. Uh, we had a team called it was Wasi. Uh, anyway, that was it's W A S I, 
And that was the name of our team in a little community that's outside of the town of Calendar. And we were classified as a triple C team. Uh, the reason being is mostly some farm kids and some local kids that could uh, get to the rank and, and play. Uh, we had two uh, goaltender, two defensemen, and two lines. That was it. Wow. Yeah, that was our team. And I'll tell you how good we were. Um, Greg Murdoch and myself were defensemen. We never came off the ice. So we went into these tournaments and we played three games in a day to win. Um, we never came off the ice. Other teams had enough population that they would interchange. They would have four defensemen. We only had two. So we ended up playing 60 minutes a game all the time. This went on for a few years and we played against a double A team, North Bay, and on their own ice. A lot of us never played a hockey game on artificial ice. We skated on it in public skating, but never played a game on it. And we ended up beating them. They, they were in total shock that here's a team that's out in the country, farm kids and couple other local kids uh, turn around and be that good. And I, I think from the standpoint of knowing that we, I knew kind of then that, you know, just not myself, but a, a couple of the other players too, we, we were a step above there a little bit than the other kids. And we probably should have been because we played these tournaments and you never come off the ice. Uh, I mean, we played, we played all the time. So there's no excuse not to, be a little, uh, elevate your player, maybe be a little bit better player than the opposition or some of your teammates. I imagine, Billy, that when you're t facing some of those teams in, in North Bay and they see that in warm-ups that you have two defensemen and you guys aren't coming off the ice, there's almost a mental thing that goes into that too. They're like, look how short they are on a bench. We just <laughs> we just keep our shifts short here. Yeah. Our, our shifts short here, boys. We're going to run them out. But you, well, you just kept going, huh? You're like the Energizer Bunny. Going. Well, you, you know what happens is, too, there's sometimes, like, it's like anything. When you have a full roster team, you have to be fair in how you play your team. You know, you got parents in the stands. You well, They want to see their kid out there playing, and they had to rotate their lines. Well, we only rotated our forward line. Everything else stayed status quo. That's and, amazing. Uh, and our goaltender was <laughs> it was amazing. Like, And I, I just think that, you know, us shoveling the snow off the ice, like everybody said, geez, you know, like, you guys can skate, you know. Well, yeah, we had to skate because we had to shovel snow a lot of the times just to skate. Like we would have to shove the uh, the, uh, the net off the ice, for instance, and then get the shovels out. And no more we get playing for 15, 20 minutes. It could be another downpour of snow. Then we do it all over again, you know. But that's the way it was, and it really helped. Like um, there was no givens uh, to any of the families that I played with, uh, the, a lot of the parents, they worked very, very hard for them to, to play. They made us accountable and how we played, even at that age, like I knew truthfully, I knew if I didn't play well, that maybe we don't have a chance of winning and it is about winning. I'm sorry, but even at that age, who, who wants to lose? Well, you go play these tournaments, you want to be the team that wins. And we won a lot of tournaments, uh, just, just for that reason. And, uh, my dad was influential. I, I think he loved the game more than I did. He took me everywhere. I was never deprived of equipment. I was never deprived of uh, and it was some hand-me-down stuff. Don't get me wrong, but he wanted to make sure that I had every opportunity to to excel, and he pushed me. Uh, I he'd jump on me once in a while when he 
didn't see things he liked what I was doing on the ice. He thought he always thought I could do more. And it was tough sledding there with him sometimes. But uh, overall, I can see maybe he saw something I didn't. And another quick story when you talk about when do you think that, you know, you're going to, I, I got called out of class in grade eight. And um, with that said, the principal came in and, and said, Barbara, I need to see you. So I go in and I guess everybody thought I did something wrong. And I thought, what did I do wrong? You know, kind of thing. And, and he asked me, he said, have you looked at your marks lately? This was, this was like, uh, you get termed uh, early, like early fall. And then this was into the hockey season. So he calls and he goes, uh, have you looked at your marks lately? And I said, uh, yeah. He said, what's going on? I said, it's hockey season. <laughs> he calls it hockey season. I go, yeah. I said, uh, hockey's, I'm going to play in the NHL. He goes, you know how many players are going to play in the NHL? He gave an astronomical number. And it was funny. I said, I'm going to be one of them. He says, pick your mark, marks up or I'll hold you. You won't be going into high school. I said, okay. So I got a little bit better there. But it was I got 52 goals and 30, 32 assists in uh, 16 games. Uh, my marks are good, brother. <laughs> 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 well, you know, it's funny there. Like, it, would, it wouldn't be unusual, you know, to get into a tournament there where, you know, if I had a chance to go, I was gone. I, you know, this, so when I went up to junior ranks there, I, they looked at me as a young kid as, um, uh, as a defenseman. And, but I was always up the ice. I rushed the puck every chance I could get and, and try to do something offensively. And I was touted by the Rangers. I went to training camp, a major junior training camp before I even went to grade nine. Wow. With Kitchener? Uh, I, well, my brother played for the team. And uh, he was trying out with pros and stuff. He's five years older than I was. I was only uh, 14 years old. I just turned 14. And I missed two weeks of my first year of high school. So I get called in by the principal. Barbara, where you been? I said, I was down at training camp in Kitchener, Ontario. Training camp. Hockey. I go, yes, sir. You got a lot of catching up to do. I said, I know. I'll, I'll do it. I'll get caught up. But I went to Kitchener's training camp for three straight years before they drafted me in the midget draft. I went as a 14 year old, 15 year old and a 16 year old. They wanted me to stay when I was 15 years old. And I decided to stay back and play in the Northern league uh, back then, which was a great step uh, for me to go forward. Uh, we won a championship in 1968. It was called the North Bay Trappers. It was the Northern Ontario junior hockey league. And it was Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Garson, Sudbury, and Espinola, and North Bay. So that's that was our league. And uh, with it all said, there I was only 15 years old. They put me up at center ice because I was a little thin, and I was playing against some guys. You're allowed, I think, one or two 21-year-olds in that league, and it can get a little rough at times. So they stuck me in the middle there, and I had a, I had to make sure I had my head up, <laughs> for sure. Uh, everybody talks, of course, about your, your, you know, your line with Clarkie and Reggie, the LCB line. But in Kitchener, you had a, a pretty dominant line there too, with Byers and Blanchard. And um, I mean, all, all three of you guys ended up going in the first round in '72. Uh, how that was the Ontario League back in those days for you as, as prep for being a pro? Well, I think it was it was uh, 
really the only way to go there that way uh, at the time. I think that's that's changed over the years. I think college is awesome, and and some of the other leagues that are out there now. Uh, but in the day there, I went to Kitchener in 1969. It was it was the league to be in. The, the Northern League I played in as a 15-year-old and 16-year-old, two years that I played there, was a big step for me to go into the OHL, which is the Ontario Hockey League. And that was the league to develop yourself to give yourself a shot at the NHL. So I was very fortunate to be drafted by Kitchener in the midget draft as a 16-year-old. I just turned 17, and, and I spent three years in Kitchener. Uh, it was a great, great city to play and great experience and getting back to our line there we had they call it the b line Blair blanchard and barber and uh we, we put up some numbers uh jerry byers god bless his heart has passed since was my left winger and l blanchard was from sudbury and he was my right winger and both could really really shoot the puck and uh we were a line to, to contend with and like you said we all went in you guys are bringing back memories because you know more about me than I know about myself here and our, <laughs> my line mates. But anyway, uh, we all went in the first round and uh, a thrill for all of us. Billy, you put up, you did put up some pretty big numbers, uh, 86 points in, in your first year with Kitchener in 54 games. Then in 61 games, you put up 105 and 107 and 62 uh, the following year before entering the NHL. Let's talk about your Flyers career because boy, uh, it couldn't have gone any better, especially early um, to, to, to be with that team. And, and as Bill alluded to earlier, kind of homegrown, you guys are all coming up together and you had some supplemental parts brought in by a trade and some key parts. But, but let's talk about that team and how special it was together, because you had a coach that understood that every player needed to be handled differently and every player um, needed to be playing for the guy next to him more than for himself. What was the effect of Fred Shiro on you as a hockey player and, and you as a human being? Well, I think Freddie there, uh, one, was very patient with me there. I spent a little time in Richmond, Virginia, our minor league, Richmond Robbins, for around, I missed 10 NHL games, I believe, my first year of pro. And I played, I think, uh, 11 or 12 in the minors. Uh, with it said, I got a chance to, to come up and play because of injuries to the Flyers. And Fred Shiro, I, I give a, so much credit uh, to because he, he was, he gave me an opportunity, he kept playing me. And it just took one game there to try to get over the hump there a little bit to get a little more confident. Uh, they moved me to left wing. Uh, even down the minors, they moved me to left wing and I had the opportunity to make the team. And one thing I'll say about Fred Shiro, he never wanted to change you. All he wanted you to do is to play your best, be who you are, not what somebody else wants. And we had a team of different characters, as everyone knows. But Fred Sherrill, you have to compliment him for that because he gave every player an opportunity to play. Uh, he gave them a, a chance to change the role on the team if it came to that. I know my first year pro, I came in, I was playing regular shift, and then, you know, uh, things were going well for me and and uh they wanted to get me on the power play so i told them i said well uh, i played defense on the power play that's all i ever played was on defense play on the power play back larry robinson who i had lunch with yesterday him and jacques lemaire both are down here in the area here in florida and 
uh, I played with Larry on defense uh, on, on special teamwork and on the power play. So I told Mike Nicolak, I said, Mike, I, I, I play defense. So we get into a game and Fred Shiro Barber, get down here and go down with the defense. Where you go? So he gave me the opportunity to play on defense as a forward, but I, I grew up back there. I could skate backwards and I could handle the one-on-one uh, threats and that kind of stuff. Uh, so it worked out really well and I thank him for it. And the one other guy I really want to thank uh, is Keith Allen. Yeah. Uh, he believed in me. We became great friends, an awesome family. And uh, both these gentlemen were very, very influential in my, uh, in my life. You know, you just referencing Freddie and Keith Allen and, and so much attention gets paid to the, you know, the, the broad street bullies toughness. But to me, you know, what, what set those teams apart. And, and of course you did, you did have the element of toughness. That was, that was part of the team identity, but you also had an elite coach an elite general manager an elite goaltender, right? You had, Clarky yes. and yourself, there was a lot of talent. A, lot of, a guy like Rick McLeish, right? Uh, to, ha- to have a second line like uh, like Lonsbury, McLeish, and, and Dornhofer was something that a lot of teams back then, you know, was hard to match up against. A guy like Oris Kinderchuk in the third line. So you, you had depth, you had the goaltending, you had you had a whole lot of elements there. And also you had leadership and work ethic too. I, I, I think that uh, I, I think that sometimes the, the toughness element get, gets talked about all the time but all those other things get overshadowed a little bit. Is that, is that fair to say? That, that's very fair. I, I mean, uh, I think we were tattooed as the Broad Street Bullies. And, you know, but, but if you really looked at the hockey team in itself, uh, what you just mentioned about depth, uh, leadership, goaltending, how we played, uh, everyone accepted their role, uh, best of friends, the, the whole hockey team was. Uh, you know, we had really three groups of players. We had like the Ed Van Imp, Joe Watson, Ross Lonsberry, uh, Gary Dornhofer. Then you had Clarkey and Schultze and Selesky and Kinderchuk. And then there was like myself, Tommy Bladen, you know, so there was like three little groups of players there and we all blended in together. And uh, we were tough to play against. Yeah. I mean, there was some physical play and, and uh, there's no question about that, but, Still, you still have to score goals. You still have to make plays. You still got to keep the puck out of your net. And uh, if you looked at the team, uh, we were very difficult to play against. We didn't give up much. And everyone accepted their role and made one another countable. And that leads to success. That's how you build a winner. It, it's not rocket science. It's, it's all of those things. But let me take you to, uh, you know, you, you build a winner because the owner – had the same desire, burning desire, to win as as the guys like you, Bill, who put on the skates. And the losses hurt him. They really hurt Ed Snyder, whether it was a game or a playoff series or whatever it was, um, when you guys won your first cup. And to, to kind of share that with an owner um, who was revolutionary in the game and, and Mr. Snyder and the atmosphere that he created what was that like to share that with Ed Snyder and bring that cup to him after the investment and, and what he did in bringing hockey and the NHL to Philadelphia? Well, I can't speak highly enough about Ed Snyder, another great friend. Um, Ed Snyder, in my opinion, 
was the greatest sports owner ever that loved his players uh, like family. And I, I think uh, from that end, uh, when you look at it, uh, he, he, li he liked everybody. He gave everyone an opportunity to be better. Uh, I know for a fact he helped me purchase a, my first home in, 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 uh, in Philly area, uh, thanks to him. And uh, anyway, it went on from there. But uh, again, if you look at like from an ownership standpoint, um, he gave as much as the players gave. He was like a player in a different area. And uh, he made sure that we traveled the best way we could travel. We, he made sure that everyone was looked after and uh, there was no problems going on, period. Um, and, and in a great family. Uh, I, like I said, uh, I spent some time with Ed after uh, done playing and, and uh, uh, even got a chance to get out west there when, when he was very ill to spend some time. And um, he's dearly missed. Uh, along with, uh, I said, Keith Allen and Fred Sherrill. They were awesome people um, and a real pleasure and an honor to, to be around in that era. After, after Freddie moved on, moved, you know, went over to the Rangers, you know, I guess it was kind of a little bit of a transitional time for the team. But a, a year after that, Pat, Pat Quinn is in there and you have that 35 game unbeaten streak. And you still have, you know, you still have guys from the championship teams, you and Clarkie and, Reggie Leach had a bounce back year with 50 goals that year, and McLeish is still there, and, and DuPont is still there. But it was also a little bit of a changing of the guard. Uh, Brian Prop was, was a rookie that year, and, you know, Pete Peters was a rookie that year. And, you know, what do you remember what your expectations were kind of heading into that year? I mean, nobody's expecting to go 35 in a row without a loss. But, I mean, you know, going in, and, and you saw, hey, we got a, we've got a pretty good group here. And, of course, you guys, you know, made, made it all the way to that to – that, uh, you know, game six against the Islanders really should have been a game seven. But uh, but uh, what are your memories from that year? Well, again, uh, I think it starts at the very top. And, and uh, the, I give a lot of credit to Pat Quinn. Uh, I played, played for him, obviously, and Fred Shearer. Those are the two coaches that I bring up all the time because Pat let you play your game. He never wanted to change you or whatever. Uh, he just let you play. And uh, he was a great, great coach. Uh, dearly missed also in the hockey world today. Uh, and as far as the group of guys go, again, we had uh, a blend of guys. Uh, a lot of the guys come up from the minors that spent some, a lot of time in the minors, come up and played for us. But we played as a team. We were the best team. Not the best players, but the best team. And sometimes a lot of good hockey players do not make a good hockey team. We had, a, we had some good players, but we had the right players to complement the good players. And we got good goaltending by Pete Peters. And, you know, we go on, of course, the rules have changed since, but, you know, to go that amount of games uh, without a loss is quite something. I remember uh, we won our first game, and I think the second game of that season, uh, we were down in Atlanta and really got hammered. We, we lost by quite a margin. And I remember talking to Pat Quinn, he goes, wow. And I said, Pat, I, I really believe we have a good, a good team here. And I said, uh, they're a great bunch of guys. Uh, we had an off night. And that game from that game on, I believe, I have to check my record. I think we went from that game on right into January. 
without a loss. And that's something to say. And it's sad that it ended up the way it did. It would have been a, a Cinderella story to have that a team like what we had go on and win a championship that year. And we fell short. So anyway, it's we lost. It's amazing, Bill. You lost that game nine to two to Atlanta in 19, on October thirteenth, nineteen seventy nine. You scored late to make it uh, nine two in that game. Then you didn't you didn't lose another game until January seventh. <laughs> I, I mean, know. the calendar flipped, and it's not like you were up against the end of the year. I mean, that a thirty five game unbeaten streak. <laughs> I don't care if there's ties in there or not. To not take well, an oh well, you know that's so true. There, like. I remember winning. We won in Montreal. We we end up losing losing in Minneapolis. That's that's where we end up losing uh, uh, the streak. But I remember the game in Boston uh, to break the record, and it was a hard fought game. Um, anyway, we found a way to win, and we kept it going. And uh, I don't know what else to really say than again associated with a great bunch of guys uh, that everyone was on the same page understood their role, played hard, uh, stuck up as a team. And we weren't the, the best team on paper, but we were the best team. And, and uh, you'll see a lot of teams, they have some great players, named players and stuff, but they never won. Uh, where in this case here like this, it's just sad that it ended up that we lost out in game six. I think what hurt us there, we end up playing Minnesota in the in the semifinals and we knocked them off in six games and we sat around and we waited for the islanders to finish their series and i think that little layoff we were on a roll if we would have kept going i don't think we would have lost that home game and that's the, that's the one that uh that really hurt us is uh, splitting at home where we should have been up two nothing going into the island i said we're at one game apiece and it kind of put us behind the eight ball yeah, wow, what a team that Islander team was, too. They went oh, on sure. four That's straight. True. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Bill, let me let me take you back. Um, by the way, you went 86 days without a loss. Oh, geez. <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> most people, including an offseason, can't do that. But uh, anyway, um, let me take you back because I, I want to know what it's like for a kid from Calendar, Ontario, to pick up that trophy, Lord Stanley's Chalice, for the first time, knowing not that – you got the trophy, but you earned it and everything that went into it. And we, we've seen players interviewed after they win the cup and they're speechless. They just, um, they're just overcome with emotion. It takes them back to their, you know, minor hockey days, dad taking to the rink early in the morning when it's still dark out, all of those things. So when you got your hands on that beautiful trophy, what was the emotions and what were you thinking at that time? If you can recall that. Well, one was relief. You know, I think, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the emotions take over, you know, you're young, you know, like I'm 21 years old and, you know, it should be full of energy and that, but I think everyone on the hockey team was spent, including, uh, you know, young guy like myself, uh, mentally, what a relief, what an honor to be out on the ice in the spectrum, carrying the cup around, uh, and beating a team like Boston, which was unexpected. I think anyway. And again, you look at their team and their roster, they got a lot of Hall of Fame guys on there. Great, like superstar players. Bob, you are probably the best player to ever play the game. And uh, goes on from there. But with it said, um, to have that opportunity to 
who skate around with the Stanley Cup and the time spent in the dressing room after that, the parade in Philadelphia. Yeah, what was uh, that like? Come on. I mean, that oh, looked like a, a raging party. Malum, it, it was unbelievable. Like, there were so many people, and they had us in cars. And <laughs> what's it said? Um, it, it's, uh, it was hard to get through, to, to get through the, the crowd, to get from one end of Broad Street to the other. And uh, I don't want to jump ahead here from the first cup, but on the second cup, we were set up a little different uh, that way. But to, to carry the cup, no matter, no matter whether it's at home or on the road, which we were fortunate enough to do, we were fortunate enough to win our very first Stanley Cup at home in front of our fans. And then we were very fortunate to win on the road where we're just the team uh, and the fathers. And uh. compliments to Ed Snyder to invite the mothers and fathers down to be part of this. And uh, it was unique. It was never heard of. They do it now. They bring, you know, parents in during the year, but um, not, uh, not back in that era of time. And uh, the fathers flew with us on the plane back from Buffalo from the second Stanley Cup. Uh, we had a great time. The mothers, all the moms were with uh, Mrs. Snyder there at the Blue Line Club at the Spectrum. And uh, it worked out. It was like a fantasy. It was like, well, it's a dream come true. That's what you play for. You play to win and you win a championship. And uh, I was lucky enough to be part of it. Well, I bet the beer tasted good. I bet it yes, was. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that was, and a lot of that was consumed. We, we, we had some good beer drinkers, you know, <laughs> like all of us. So <laughs> like all of us, the, that was part of the reward. You know, yeah, you guys were a good hockey team and a, and a great drinking team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we picked our we picked our spot. I'll say this about about the, all the athletes of, uh, back in the day. There, you know, we had fun. Uh, we had our beers and all that other stuff, but we always picked our spots too. We, we the guys were accountable night before game. You know, be careful and and uh, after game, well, that's a different ball game. We were celebrating winning and. Uh, you go on to the next city or whatever next game at home and but we all stuck together that's why rexy's became so so famous in jersey there because really the it was a given that you needed to go with the hockey team after the game and at least come in for a beer or a water or a soda whatever you were having prior to breaking up especially on the road uh that, that we stuck together that close Awesome. Um, this is this is a question I asked uh, Mark Al when we interviewed him, um, because in the last several years of Mark's career, he missed a lot of time due to his back. And I, I know with you, it was your knees. Oh, um, your last couple of years there, you know, you missed a lot of time, and that had to have been a very a very frustrating thing. I mean, the the prime of your career really could have been a lot longer. Uh, if, if your body had, had held up a little bit more, did you ever kind of feel towards the end like your your body was betraying you a little bit? Yeah, you know, I I try to I get credit for 12 years in the league or 13 years in the league, excuse me. And my 13th year was uh, a rehab year, so I never played a game. Uh, two years prior to that, uh, I had some a serious knee problem, and uh, it caught up to me. I, you know, I. I managed to get through a couple more years on it for me personally disappointing you know like uh 
just not, not scoring goals and that, just your play overall. I was hanging on. The last two years, year 11, year 12 for me as a player, I was hanging on. I was disappointed in myself. I, I can't say that I really enjoyed playing because I wasn't on top of my game. And, uh, but that's, that's the way it goes. And then in uh, year 12 there, they finally exploded on me there and I had some major issues. I had major knee, knee construction done and I had broke a femur, the large bone that runs into your knee joint. I broke a square inch of bone off of that. And then I had a break down and I was done. And, but I look back, I look at, <laughs> I look at the 10 years that it was there that was really a lot of fun for me. Having the chance to win, having to, to be associated with a great group of guys, great coaches, awesome ownership. Uh, very, very lucky. Billy, uh, you moved into coaching. You got behind the Flyers bench in 2000. Uh, you had two seasons, an overall record on 136 games, 73-40-17-6. and six. Uh, You lost in the conference finals twice. You won a Jack Adams. It's uh, You coached two years, and you won a Jack Adams uh, in in those two years. Um, let me ask you about a couple of players that you coach, because you had some beauties on that team, including uh, I'm going to ask you about three guys. I just want a little capsule on each. J.R., Jeremy Roenick, Chris Terrian, who I'm sure was uh, a handful <laughs> at that time, and a guy like Fridge, uh, a guy like Todd Fedorik. I, I just saw the video the other day where you sent him out there and, and he beat the brakes off of Barnaby Good <laughs> in, in his first game and scored a goal <laughs> as well. Uh, but, but what were your recall from those three players, a little bit more unsung than uh, some of the stars that were on that team? Well, you, you know what, everyone, I, I wanted everyone, to, I, I went off of how Fred Shiro and Pat Quinn were, learned a lot from them. Uh, I didn't want to change anybody. Uh, they were all three different kinds of players. Uh, they ran on their own clock. And I didn't want to interfere with them either with JR or Fridge, any of them, or Chris. Uh, let them do their thing. All I asked was come in and play for your team. Look after yourself, and uh, but they were all different. We had a different hockey team there. Uh, we had some name players, and I think we fell short. Uh, I think, being honest, uh, it, it was changing of the guard for players, and I wasn't changing my guard because I'm old school guy and still am, and I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, there's not a lot of gray in, in in my thinking process or my character. In fact, very little, if any at all. Uh, it's, it is what it is. And that's, that's how I go. That's how I roll. And uh, same as when I was with the Phantoms there in 98, we win a championship. And I was hard on them. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, those guys did it, but we still all keep in contact to this day. I had some different characters on that team. Uh, one especially, Frankie Bailoas. Oh, uh, Dave, oh I the animal. I can go on and on. And anyway, with it all said, I didn't want to change those guys. I, I, all I asked them to do is come in and play the game hard, play for your teammates, and let's see if we can win a championship. And uh, great leadership from Johnny Stevens, Sean McCosh, uh, Peter White, and Jimmy Montgomery. And all these guys went on to, to get themselves set up pretty good in life and in coaching also. So uh, I'm jumping around here a little bit on guys, but my, my thought process was, I don't want to change anybody. I, I, I like your character. Like you bring something different to the team. If everyone was the same character, same kind of attitude, same, 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 you're going to have the same team. 
might not be very good. It'd be a very boring team yeah. in the dress room and on the ice. So let them play. Yeah, the animal beat me up in a charity game. <laughs> I was playing goal, and he and I'll he pulled him. my jersey over my head, and he, he was chucking haymakers at me. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? Nobody jumped yeah. in to save the goalie on that day, Billy. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead, Frank. Bill. You know, I, I Frank, you a quick story on him there when we were in the finals. I said Frank, you're going to be in the lineup. All I ask from you, and I will play you, but I need you to play the game, and Frank could play. Frank could play defense and forward. He was really originally a defenseman. So, but he carried that much respect on the ice. And, and I'll say this, I can't speak highly enough about Frankie Bailoas. He played the game. He was a big part of a championship team. Yeah, well, I may have instigated him a little bit on the radio and said that if he could skate from the goal line to goal line without falling, then I'd be, <laughs> I'd be shocked. So now I guess I know why he came after me. Old Manitoba boy, he's thrown the hands uh, on and off the yeah. ice many times. <laughs> yeah. um, my last question for you, Bill, is, I mean, you're still around the organization. You know, you're, you're around Chuck a lot, um, Chuck Fletcher. What do you think about the direction the organization is going in now and, and the team's ability to you know, take the year they just had, getting getting to the second round, playing great hockey up until the, the stoppage and, you know, building off of that this year and continuing to go forward? Well, I'll, I think Chuck's done an excellent job there. He's letting these young players develop, which I think is very, very important. Uh, the experience that they gathered uh, through a, a different kind of a season uh, should only be beneficial. Um, so from a standpoint of the direction they're going, I believe, really believe they are going in the right direction. Uh, I want to compliment Dave Scott, uh, who's oversees the Flyers, who I deal with a lot. Um, he wants to win as bad as Mr. Snyder wanted, wants to win. Um, he goes back to that era there too with Mr. Snyder and, and being around and I think Comcast has done a great job in letting the people that are in that different positions do their job. I think uh, Brian Roberts, uh, I think, has done a great job there of overseeing, obviously, the team. It's his team. And Dave Scott also overseeing uh, managers and coaches and whatever. I think uh, the staff is, is there. It's in place. Now we just hope that these young players develop, stay healthy, get better, and we can get a championship uh, team back to Philadelphia where it belongs. Yeah, we would love to see that parade and, and, and recreate <laughs> that scene you guys did in back-to-back -back years. Gotten to those finals a bunch of times since, but it's odd, Bill. You know, we've the Flyers, when they've gotten to the finals, have faced basically a dynasty every time. You get the Islanders in 1980, they go on to win four straight. You get the Oilers in 85 and 87. They win five cups in a, in a capsule of time. In, in 97, you get Detroit. They eventually win two with that group back-to-back -back as well. And then in 2010, you get a team like the Blackhawks who go on and win three in five years. It's crazy. It's not only, you know, being a good team and putting yourself in position. It takes a little luck sometimes, too. And they, they've gotten all these teams on the front end of a dynasty. It's pretty, pretty amazing uh, to, to see that. Well, you, there's no question there. And then you got, you have, we have to back up a little bit here, too. I think we've been a snake bit a little bit here too. You know, we lost some some players uh, that lost their life, and you know, just when you seem to get something going, something happens. Flyers get her going. One of the better teams coming down the stretch, 
uh, we got COVID. Season comes to a halt. And I remember being down here in Florida, where I am right now, and the Flyers are supposed to play the Lightning. And that's when the game, that's when the games ended. And we were on a roll. I was excited to, to go to that game um, to see where we kind of, where we stood with, with a good hockey team. Of course, it never materialized. And, and here we go again. So now we're on a, such a great roll. Everyone's doing their job and things are rolling. And then everything comes to a halt. I don't know what it is. Sometimes uh, I wonder how things work. Uh, it's difficult to swallow. Yeah, no question about it. Bill, I, I want to thank you for joining us here on this episode of Flyers Daily as Flyers Hall of Fame week continues. You're one of the great players. My dad was such a huge fan of you. When well, be flying, you. You'd be carrying the puck, and my dad was a big part of why uh, I started playing the game in 1978. And, and you guys really kind of set the stage in this area for not only professional hockey and, and people loving the Flyers, but also youth hockey. It was a big part of the growth of the sport. Uh, in this area and uh, a lot of people to thank we got kids being drafted out of here now playing in the nhl it's amazing to see thanks so much for doing this uh enjoy florida i hope you and uh, your family and everybody stays healthy thank um, you. we appreciate it and uh I, I love talking to you and i know people are going to be thrilled to hear what you had to say well i appreciate it i want to thank you guys for having me on and i want to reach out to our fan base in philadelphia and say uh thank you very much uh for the support of our hockey team uh, they're the best fans in the world. Uh, it's, it's, it hits our hearts at home uh, very, very much. And then, and anyway, with it all said, uh, everyone stay safe. Hopefully we can get back on track and get our sport going again. Special thanks to Bill Barber for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. In Fridays, the Black Friday episode of Flyers Daily, we'll be joined by Flyers defenseman Sam Moran, the trials and tribulations that he's gone through the past three-plus years now, multiple ACL surgeries, and he's battling his way back once again. So we'll hear from Big Sam coming up on Friday's episode. In the meantime, everybody, have a good, great, happy, healthy, safe Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. Uh, you people are tremendous, and I appreciate that you listen so much and have been so great. And if you haven't left a rating and review, please do so. That'll help other great Flyer fans find this podcast as well. So enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you on Friday's episode of Flyers Daily. Some new kicks, ones like you ain't never seen.